welcome to the Age of Plastic podcast, an environmental podcast with me, Andrea Fox. For people like you who just want to do something now that Bill Nye the Science Guy says the whole world's on effing fire. So jolly. On the podcast today, we're looking at fashion as I'm chatting to Zoe Partridge of Wear the Walk, a rental clothing subscription company, which Forbes thinks is really going to boom this year. Some environmental news first, though, and we're talking Morrison's supermarket and the plastic ban. Morrison's is set to roll out plastic-free fruit and veg areas across its stores. Hallelujah. This is after a 10-month trial. Don't know why it took that long. And it saw a 40% increase in bagless purchases. 60 outlets are going to be taking part in the chain's new buy bagless scheme. And shoppers can buy 127 varieties of fruit and veg loose and pack them in recyclable paper bags. Weirdly, they are still going to have some plastic bag options for people if they want them. It has also removed 600 tonnes of unrecyclable polystyrene from its branded foods and drinks products. And it's launching a paper carrier bag programme later this month as well. Woohoo! In more good news, the UK government's banning plastic straws, stirrers and plastic cotton buds as of April 2020. This follows the EU massively voting in favour of banning other single-use plastic items from 2021. I highly recommend you check out more by signing up to the Everyday Plastic mailing list if you haven't, so I'll whack the link for that in the show notes. Time for today's well-dressed guest. Zoe Partridge is founder of Wear the Walk and a tutor at the London College of Fashion, where she runs sessions on sustainability and fashion. Forbes reckon 2019 is the year that we will see clothing rental and fashion subscription really take off. Recently, the value of unused clothing in our wardrobes has been estimated at around £30 billion. It's also estimated that £140 million worth of clothing goes to landfill in the UK each year. Now, you'll remember back in April 2013 in Bangladesh, the Rana Plaza collapse saw 1,134 needlessly killed in unsafe working conditions, making the kind of products that end up on our high street. Burberry as well were caught burning $40 million worth of so-called dead stock, i.e. unsold garments. And apparently it takes around 1,800 gallons of water to grow enough cotton to produce just one pair of regular blue jeans. It would take you 14 years to drink that much water, apparently. Basically, what I'm saying with all these big numbers is we are bloody wasteful when it comes to the stuff we put on to not be naked. So here's our chat. Me, Zoe from Where the Walk, and a special guest. Uh, so Zoe Partridge from Where the Walk, thank you very much for joining me on the Age of Thank you very much podcast. for having me. It's lovely to be here. We're in your lovely gallery room, which is lovely and echoey, um, in your offices in North London with the beautiful Ringo sitting <laughs> on your lap. That's not a lovely mo- male model, by the way. <laughs> I wish This it was. is the dog your dog's sitting. He's <laughs> so cute. He's gorgeous, isn't he? So he's very much a full mongrel, but he's seven and he looks like a little puppy. I was going to say, he definitely looks like so a puppy. So skincare regime, I will get the tips. <laughs> Please, yeah, if we could share that. <laughs> we'll share that in the uh, behind-the-scenes bits later. Exactly. Um, so we're here to talk about your business, which is Wear the Walk. Um, how would you say it? Because we were just saying the amazing Guardian description of it is Netflix for your wardrobe. Yes, which is very generous. I very mean, it's, cool. it's possibly one of the best ways to be described as Netflix for your wardrobe. I mean, you know, I think really where we're taking the company in... And I guess our point of difference, you know, there's a lot of rental sites out there. By no means do we think it's a new idea, but it's, it's an endless revolving wardrobe. And really, it's a lifestyle. So, you know, it's not promoting the idea of just renting for a wedding or for a special occasion. It's fundamentally enabling you to be better with, with kind of your buying behavior. 
and give you the opportunity to access great fashion on rotation without sort of the guilt of of buying it so it goes a bit beyond the idea of of kind of standardized renting hopefully (laughs) and obviously working in like fashion rental you have a background in fashion so where did it all start for you your fashion love so do you know what I have I've got I've got a small background in fashion I actually um, I guess if you look at the years spent, I, I really come from quite a techie background. But initially, uh, the idea started of sort of democratising luxury fashion when I was working at Mulberry. Uh, I was working in marketing there and... Very think, cool. Well... Did you get a discount? <laughs> Do you know what? I got a discount. Wait, I'm just going to put Ringo down. Ringo, you're really... You're, you're screwing with the record, darling. <laughs> Sorry, he's so bored, he's bored of us. We, yeah, I, d- I did get a discount, but you know, it's almost like a double edged tool because you get, I, th- I think it was 35% off, but everything's still unbelievably expensive. <laughs> a so, month's wages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was, I guess, one of the biggest dichotomies is I'm working in this amazing fashion house, but there's still a significant barrier of entry there. And there's very little attention paid to our generation, the next generation of luxury consumers. And it was frustrating. Um, so I think that sort of ignited some sort of idea about, or dream, I guess it was at the time, about how can we democratise luxury fashion. Yeah, and that's exactly what you're doing with Wear the Walk, oh, as in Wear the Cat Walk. It was originally, yeah, it was originally. So the big US company, and this is, I can't believe I'm saying this on radio, um, <laughs> but the big US company is Rent the Runway. And so... <laughs> I didn't even so know that. It's quite, it's quite comparable, I guess, in, in that respect. It's sort of like, buy us, buy us at some stage. <laughs> but I love that so many of the images on the site are more street fashion. So can you explain exactly how it works? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So we're slightly different, um, I guess, from the other platforms in that we partner with emerging brands. So kind of the next generation of, of innovators and talents um, within luxury fashion. So they get paid a commission every time their item's rented, um, and then we obviously kind of get paid as well um, and manage the membership and the operations and and kind of the customer base um, in-house. The offering that we provide is is a subscription service. Um, You can do it as a pay-as-you-go, but very much the thing that we're, we're really pushing and promoting is a membership to kind of what you need to consume from a clothing perspective. Yeah, so is that, that very well. So is that kind of like um, for example, like busy working person needs to look good for their job and wants to rent stuff because and have access to like a wider wardrobe in that way. Yeah, I mean I think so the overarching mission or what I've always sort of said when speaking to investors or or anything to do with our communication is we fundamentally want everyone in the Western world to own a capsule wardrobe and rent the rest. So if you look inside a woman's wardrobe, there's about 10% of it that actually we wear on rotation. It's pretty disgraceful, but we're dealing with this dichotomy or juxtaposition in our head where we want to keep consuming and keep buying. And this is down to fast fashion and social media, perpetuating this idea that you need something new. You, You know, trends are changing weekly. You need to be up to date. So it's a real... I guess kind of tussle so not all of us have the financial income to be able to go and buy luxury high quality sustainable clothing as much as we'd like to so we resort to fast fashion yeah. so I guess what renting's providing is 
the middle ground and satisfying the need to change over our wardrobe every week, month, whatever it may be, but doing it in a very sustainable way and actually consuming high-quality, sustainable items. So you mentioned fast fashion there. I'm glad you brought it up before I did. <laughs> what, what, does, um, what does fast fashion mean to you, do you think? So, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was... It's possibly one of the reasons why I started this company is because I was one of the biggest perpetrators of buying a shed load of fast fashion, wearing it once, not really caring. We've all done it. Exactly. And when you're young and you go to Primark oh, and you mate, think it's amazing to get 20 <laughs> items for 50 quid because that's all you've got for a month to spend on clothes. Yeah, and then you're like, they all fall apart oh, after God, one It's all a bit gross, isn't it? But, but no, absolutely. I think there isn't an alternative route into consuming fashion or it's just such an attractive offering that why would you say no? Um, but fast fashion to me is... What I think is a really kind of nasty angle about it is the disposability. So clothes being made to fundamentally be disposed of after wear. And, you know, obviously that's having a detrimental impact on CO2 emissions, but also the collapse of the secondhand market. So these clothes genuinely can't be resold in charity shops because they're not made with the durability in mind. Now, that's something I think I learned from you when we met at the talk that we met at the Curtain in London. I have bought quite a few items from vintage stores. It didn't even occur to me until you mentioned that, that I was like, oh my gosh, of course, like this thin polyester material is not going to survive another 30 years when absolutely. it comes back round into fashion, as yeah. everything does, as my mother always says. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, that, and, and I think that's the devastating thing about it is it's a very short, fast fashion, to me the connotations are short-sighted and a lack of kind of consideration for the world around us, yeah. I guess. And I suppose when I think about the brands that you're connected with, it's more of the luxury fashion world. Has that been affected by fast fashion in the same way? Because I remember reading that um, seasons are moving a lot quicker because the high street is demanding it. So have you seen that in the luxury? And does luxury necessarily mean better produced, more sustainable? So we get certification from our, from our designers that everything's kind of ethically produced and a lot of them are now moving to sustainable materials. But it's, That's it's extremely, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's extremely hard to police and it's getting ever more challenging the conditions for emerging brands and luxury brands because they just don't have the facility to produce things weekly, which is what fast fashion retailers do. And they create these kind of micro-seasons and micro-trends and so they slice the competition and, and people can't keep up. So definitely there's that, the fast fashion impact has filtered down to every area. So what do you think are some of the best items that you've got on Wear the Walk? Um, oh, gosh. Well, we've just like had... a favourite child. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm not sure I can say actually. Oh, God, oh. I've got to be democratic. It's, it's really interesting. When I started the business, I... I don't know if I went the wrong way or, or right way about doing it. No one ever knows, right? You, you go the Hindsight's way that's instinctive. Yeah, exactly. It's such a bitch. Um, but I was very much designer-led, and I was building a platform for myself. And what do I want to wear? What do I want to consume? So then I don't necessarily feel the need to buy fast fashion. So, you know, when I started, the aesthetic and the designers we worked with were, were, were me. They were a representation of my style. 
now I've got a team that, that kind of manages that side. It's, it's slowly migrated in there more and we're bringing on designers that are more suited to our audience. So more diverse. Absolutely. So I'd say my favourites are the, I guess, the designers that, that have been with me through thick and thin. Since um, the start. At the beginning, yeah. You, you know, you always feel this, this kind of um, affinity or attachment to those which have really kind of believed in you from the start. Yeah. So, so it's, I don't even know how our designs are now. No, I do. <laughs> it's just too, so many. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's a couple like Martina, Spetlova, Sadie Clayton, who's become a really good friend of mine. So it's, it, it's, it's those. Amazing. And who would you say is like the ideal, like wear the walk customer? Oh God, that's interesting you ask that because we've been going through it. I mean, I think from a, from a kind of, if you want to get granular and talk about sort of a price comparison you know you've got your 24 to 28 year old girl um who's more suited to our kind of savvy revolver package and then you've got uh sort of 28 to 35 which is more tailored towards the wardrobe revolver so more items but you know i hate boxing people in terms of price and age i think it's a really outdated view to to kind of um, create these categories based on on demographics, um, but but generally speaking, that's that's sort of where they'll sit. I mean, our our sort of savvy revolvers are very much kind of fashion led, Instagram heavy. Really want the experimental pieces where our professional women are, are slightly more kind of tailored and refined, a bit more classic, a bit more of, classic, the wardrobe staples. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like my, my kind of experience is um, when I got married, uh, I found finding the dress really difficult. And I really like the one that I have got, but I mean, I wore it for a day and now it's sitting in a box. And I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to dye it. Don't know why, not going to fit back in it. Um, <laughs> and then recently, I was saying, uh, just before we started recording, I went to two weddings this week. I love Self-Portrait as a brand and I've yeah. got two of their dresses. The one I bought recently for this wedding, I got on eBay. Which, and I was, I was really happy to kind of like tell everyone about that, but it seems like, like you were saying, this is the new modern way to do eBay. Yes. Way slicker. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, I think definitely two years ago when I started it, there was a level of kind of embarrassment about, about renting. So people were sort of like, oh, it's really, you know, it was sort of seen as being cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's almost come into... Uh, the general sentiment that it's kind of savvy and efficient, which I, which I think is great. You know, yeah. It's like, well, of course I rented it. I'm not going to spend 500 quid on a dress that I'm only going to wear a handful of times. So yeah. that attitude has, has really put us in good stead, I guess. Yeah. And that's Forbes, I think, have said that uh, the rental market is the new big growing business. When you think of all the things that have emerged that we didn't necessarily have five years ago, like the Ubers of this world and Airbnb. And now it's like... The kind of things that you're doing with Wear the Walk, that's where the next growth in that kind of element of fashion is coming from. Yeah, I think it's um, it's almost a perfect storm in my mind in the retail suffering or traditional retail bricks and mortar is suffering, obviously with Debenhams. Literally, and, all the department yeah. stores. And it's, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, so that model is is dying. At the same time, kind of, I guess, in conjunction with that, you've got the rise of the sharing economy. You've also got sustainability as a movement really being pushed forward, particularly within fashion. So it's a perfect storm of, I guess, events, and the conditions are really rife for something like renting. I don't think it's the ultimate solution. I think things like Depop are great, 
Um, yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, I, I, I'm really, I'm a really, I'm a big fan of Depop, and you know, I don't think it necessarily crosses over into our market. It's potentially tailored at, at the younger More market. More like B two B, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But I, but I still think it's a really admirable, um, and it's just a cool, it's just a cool platform. So, yeah, I think it has given birth to a lot of these new initiatives within within fashion, and you know, thankfully, renting is becoming one of them. Yeah. And you mentioned sustainability there. I've been asking guests what exactly it means to them because it's kind of a slightly woolly term at the moment. So when it comes to fashion, what do you think? So for me, sustainability is is all about... It's about upcycling. It's about doing more with less. Um, So I remember Vivian Westwood famously once said, you know, it's all about choosing well and, and kind of buying less. And... And I think, yes, that was, that was true of kind of 10 years ago, but I think now with, with the advent of this, this kind of digitalized life that we lead and becoming very image-centric, we shouldn't feel bad for wanting to look our best all the time. Um, so I don't think it's about necessarily, it's about consuming less, but it's healthy to want the same level of, of kind of looking good, I guess. So for me, sustainability is what can we do with less, like that buy better buy yeah. less like yeah. we were saying well I, like i was saying earlier like going and buying everything from pre-mark is a bit of a false economy you realize massively but now i guess we're both of an age maybe where we could afford a little bit better when you're in that position that's Absolutely. hard isn't it just thinking about sustainability it's quite a buzzword when it comes to fashion at the moment how do you feel when you hear about companies like burberry like destroying <clears throat> loads of clothes oh god it's devastating I mean, I think, you know, there's this massive kind of innate fear within luxury fashion about what the future holds. And because sustainable fashion has very much come from a grassroots movement, you know, it's really, really come from passionate people and, and kind of spread like wildfire. Stella so, McCartney, 30 years ago, wasn't using leather, and now that seems completely normal. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I think there is this innate fear and... And, you know, they got caught with their tail between their legs because they were trying to avoid devaluing their brand but actually did that exact same thing. So I think it's devastating, but, it, but hopefully fashion brands are going to wake up to the idea that there will be greater transparency and greater, greater accountability over their actions. They don't hold the power and weight that they, that they potentially used to. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how a lot of the old structures, the way fashion reacted to fashion bloggers when they first came out, Susie Bubbles now, like, I'm assuming that's how you say her name. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like front-end campaigns now. And it's interesting, the music industry, coming from my background in radio, saw this doing the same thing. Absolutely, TV's yeah. trying to catch up now yeah. with, like, on-demand watching. So it's interesting when I think about social media in terms of that because you have stories about people buying items to wear in an Instagram post to either return or to bin. Absolutely, yeah. So it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that it's, social media can be a movement for good or not so much? I completely agree. I, I've, I've got a real troubled relationship, I guess, with, with social media. Mm. I, you know, I, I teach at London College of Fashion and, and London College of Style. I'm a guest lecturer there. And, you know, these are, these are young girls, right? They're the next bright young things, really desperate to work in fashion. And they're kind of thoughts on social media and how obsessed they are with it is is scary and I know it can have a real detrimental impact on 
uh, kind of depression and things like that. So this fallacy and falsified lifestyle, I guess, can have a negative impact. And, and it is encouraging people to wear things once and then they can't be seen in it again. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real double-edged sword, but at the same time, for Wear the Walk, just thinking from a purely business perspective, it's extremely, it's extremely positive. And I think it does give smaller brands or any brands the ability to reach lots of people at once and really identify with their tribe. And that's, and that's very important. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I haven't made my mind up. <clears throat> I think I'm too old to kind of understand it. Honestly, the influencer thing, I'm just, I'm so bad at it. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. I just, I just don't know how I feel you about must social have to media. Do it with your yeah, and I've I've set up an Instagram for the podcast, and I'm really bad. I've checked, turned off all my notifications on my phone, so I'm really bad for getting back to people's messages and stuff. But I just, it's just not real life to me, and no, I, I use know. it to be silly. Like, yeah, absolutely. I post a lot of. We've got a lift in our building, and I just post lift selfies. That's kind of the only thing that I post. And all my friends are like, "Lol, I love your lift selfies." So I just keep doing it. I'm just like, that's for me. Yeah. You, I, I, yeah, but yeah. it's almost like you have to have a way to promote the podcast, so you've got to put it on your well, social media. Really, what else are you meant to do? It is, it is one of those things. It's kind of Instagram, Facebook, or how else you get yourself okay, out what there? Else you do? <laughs> so you mentioned lecturing, amazing. Yeah. So what do you do at the London Fashion School? So maybe mainly just teach about uh, sustainability awesome. uh, within the fashion industry. So Condé Nast, London College of Style, and London College of Fashion. Which is great. Cool. And yeah, feeling the ability to mould young minds. I'm not sure what they what they listen to, or whether I just talk a load of crap. Use your power <laughs> for good. Sit, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just sit there for half an hour. Oh, no, sorry, for an hour, gormlessly. So, not sure the impact is that positive. But uh, <laughs> guys, if you're listening, hi. Yeah. <laughs> no, Maybe I'll do it over a podcast instead. There you go. Then they might listen. And they yeah. can just play on their phones without me seeing them do it. Snapchat the whole lecture. Oh my Never god. Mind. Um, I mentioned that there was something new that you wanted to talk about launching with Weather Walk. Yes, 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 yes. So we have just relaunched our website. Oh my gosh. Um, so that's been a bit of a stretch, but we've got there in the end um, and we're now working on a credit based system. Okay, so, so how's that going to work? So you, have, you sign up to a membership and you essentially have a kind of Weather Walk wallet with weather currency um and you can spend it sort of as you wish um but i like guess the fashion biggest bitcoin fashion there bitcoin exactly <laughs> exactly um but i guess the difference is is this level of flexibility so you know i, I think the the biggest barrier to entry with a lot of rental sites is oh you've got it for four days and if you miss those four days we're going to charge you two million pounds or yeah, whatever yeah. it is but actually this enables you to um sort of hold on to items for as long as you want or as little as you want and really kind of fit it in with your lifestyle yeah um, so so yeah, that's quite a new initiative which is great um awesome so yeah. i think it's the kind of thing i would definitely use like going back to wedding outfits oh god there's yeah. definitely a few wedding outfits in my wardrobe Dear that i've worn once like only five this summer <laughs> i can't believe it. i'm so single at the moment as well <laughs> <laughs> i need to get double the drinks yeah. think of it that way um is there, is there a lot of pressure when you go to events like that with all your friends oh. going oh Massively. What are you wearing? Massively. If I go to the pub, it's like, oh, you're wearing Weather Walk. And you're like, no, I'm at the pub. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. I know. I'll never be able to use a single-use item of plastic again, ever, <laughs> without my friends being like, mm, what you use, is that a straw? Is that a wear straw? <laughs> I've asked. It is. Shut up. <laughs> God. 
Um, so talking about sustainability, really difficult in the fashion world, but can you explain a little bit about how the brands that you work with try and make sure that what they're producing is sustainable? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say if you're a new gen designer, I guess as, as they get categorised as, you sort of have to have... Um, the, it, it's very much ingrained that your values lie within the sustainability movement. You know, it's, it's, it's a rite of passage very much. So all of the brands what we work with are producing ethically at the very, very minimum. So that requires uh, certification from the factories. Um, and then a lot of them are, are kind of really innovating in terms of the materials that they're using. So this is a lot of reclaimed leather. Amazing. So what you find with the luxury fashion houses is... The, the amount of wastage, um, particularly in the leather market, is, is huge. So things like that, a lot of them using kind of innovative fabrics in terms of fish leather as well, which is quite interesting. I had not yeah. heard of fish leather before. Yeah, so obviously there's a lot of wastage within that industry as well. Um, so it's really, as I said, coming back to this point of, of kind of doing more with what, what you've got or doing more with less. Yeah, um, thinking about, like, I suppose, not necessarily waste products. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's more thinking about the whole supply chain. So if there is some wastage, how can that be used or turned into fabric or whatever that may be? I um, spoke to Cressy Wesling from Elvis and Cressy, and they use a lot of the Burberry offcuts. Yeah, beautiful pieces, and it's just yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's so much wastage within so Burberry. So bad, yeah. So we always ask our guests um, their favourite plastic item to prove we're lovers, not haters, because it's a good material. We're just using too much of it in single use. <laughs> oh, favourite plastic item. I was actually going to say a hanger. I was going to say hangers. <laughs> good one is it okay yeah i mean they are the the we do use some wooden ones but we also need some of the plastic some of the plastic ones as well i think they're felted one but yeah i would say i would say hanger that's all right not single use (laughs) no very much not very much not i'm like a hoarder of hangers you should really store yeah it's i mean it's a bit disgraceful (laughs) because you always need them you always need a hanger of course (laughs) in your industry of course um, and we also always ask our guests for their environmental hero. So I would say, for from a fashion perspective, Stella McCartney is is a massive fashion hero of mine. I actually do have another fashion hero who I've recently fallen in love with. I've just remembered, um, and one that would be very good for you um, is a hotel in Waterloo called the Stowaway. And they are a 100% sustainable hotel. So they've got a load of shipping containers and piled them on top of each other. Um, and they're really promoting this idea of kind of lack of ownership and providing this apartment hotel style concept. Um, but I just love that ethos and their brand and everything that they represent. Zoe Partridge from Web <laughs> Walk. You look amazing. Oh, Ringo the dog, thank you very much for sitting <laughs> just there for quietly. Your presence, you know, just for your presence, Ringo. You're looking great. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the Age of Plastic Not podcast. at all. Thank you very much. Loved my chat with Zoe Partridge, and I love that we kind of got some social media chat in there as well. She's totally agreeing with previous guest, Hugo Tagholm from Surfers Against Sewage, that we're all kind of consumers and we're kind of trapped in this consuming world that businesses have said we need to be part of for years and I like how people are pushing back and doing things differently now and Zoe's very kindly got an offer a special promotion for Age of Plastic listeners it's a discount code if you want to go and try out Wear the Walk for yourself the code is AOP10 that's AOP10 
And of course, the website you need if you do want to start your rental clothing subscription is wherethewalk.co.uk. If you haven't already, I highly recommend you check out True Cost the Movie on Netflix, um, featuring Liv Firth, who's doing loads for sustainability in fashion. And fashionrevolution.org, who you might know through the hashtag whomademyclothes. Right, on to today's environmental hack. In a recent post on Instagram, with my mum's permission, I posted a picture of her at 19 wearing a dress that she still owns now. And it got me thinking about my oldest piece of clothing. I mean, if we love it, surely we should love it in the future if we really take care of it and it's made to last. So I've been taking a look at some of my slightly tired items of clothing. And this week splashed out £4.50 on one of those little electronic debobblers. I think it's exactly the same as the one my gran had back in the 90s. There are some great initiatives out there about repairing your clothes, but if, like me, you're not quite ready to pick up the needle and thread yet, this, I think, is a great option. Look after the stuff that you already own. It's probably the best way to try and bring down your carbon footprint when it comes to clothing. As always, we've come to the end of the podcast, so it's time for me to beg, borrow, and please for you to leave a review. I do love it when you do. Leave a comment or a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or the app that you like to listen to The Age of Plastic on, as it helps other like-minded secret hippies find us, like Sue GC, who left this on Apple Podcasts. She says, really enjoying this podcast series. The range of guests is providing a wide perspective on both the issues and potential solutions, which I hope will galvanise people to make positive changes. Love that. Thank you, Sue GC. Leave a comment and I might be reading out yours on the next podcast. Speaking of which, our next podcast guest is going to be the amazing Lizzie Carr from Plastic Patrol. You may have heard of her, if not, after a cancer diagnosis and recovery, she got into paddleboarding, stand-up paddleboarding. And she started to see so much plastic litter in our waterways, she decided to do something about it. There's now an app called Plastic Patrol where you can log all of the plastic that you see, not only in waterways, but wherever you happen to be out and about. She also runs weekend initiatives, taking people out on the water to clean up our waterways. We have a really great chat, literally sitting by the River Lee in Hackney, and that's going to be on the next episode of the Age of Plastic podcast. I'll see you then. I'm off to sort out my wardrobe subscription with Wear the Walk. like to get in touch you can contact me via my website iamandreafox.co.uk or check out our instagram for this podcast it's the age of plastic podcast on instagram